Hey everybody, welcome to Detox Podcast. This is episode 30 and it's called Elementary. I'll have just come back from Whisper and Roar Workshop in California and I have no idea how it went. I'm recording this ahead of time as per usual uh, since i be very on the go uh, from now until then and just wanted to make sure that it was ready to go for you to listen to. Um, I have no idea how the workshop went. I have a feeling that it was amazing. Uh, just like last time, I kind of have a feeling that something crazy is going to happen, something completely unforeseen, um, as these things tend to go for me. So can't wait to tell you all about it. And Love Fest is coming up very soon. Uh, it's on February 23rd. If you don't have your tickets for that, it's in Edmonton. Uh, it's by Sober Saturdays. Check her out on Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's all about the direct correlation between negative self-talk and addiction. So, you know, right on point. I'm very excited to be reading my poetry for you at that event. So please come see me. Come check it out. It's going to be great. And if you're looking for a copy of Pick Your Poison, you can buy that on Amazon. And Pick Your Poison Volume 2. That's set uh, for April 20th. I'm so excited. Oh, man. And I am already working on Pick Your Poison Volume 3. So they're just coming. We're just unraveling, writing. Poetry's flowing. So here's some more for you. Elementary. Trying to teach myself that the blood in my veins and the dirt on my shoes are the only coping mechanisms I need. Isn't that the heart of it? Isn't that the heart of all recovery, basically? It's trying to get back to basics from the point where you used to cope with things normally, or, you know, maybe you don't have coping mechanisms. Oh my god, coping mechanisms. I feel like I just had like a meltdown there. Oh my god. Back to the point where you developed unhealthy coping mechanisms. You're going to bring it back to that, and we're going to start from scratch, and we're going to put some healthy stuff in there instead. Um, It's interesting. I was a teenager, and like late teens, probably this is when drinking started to get intense, and I made the conscious decision to start drinking as a coping mechanism. Weird, right? Like I actually said to myself, hmm, I wonder what this is like. Which seems crazy, but I don't know. I sort of have a tendency to experience things, want to do things just for the experience. Uh, I really like that. It's part of my adventurous nature, I suppose. so I, I tried it out. <laughs> Look where I am. You know, I, I guess I did it. Wonder what alcohol addiction is like. Hmm. Bizarre. Uh, whether that was a true conscious choice or not, I don't know. Maybe the addiction was already in me, talking to me. <laughs> Manipulating my brain already. So crazy. Uh, but I do remember very clearly before that actively choosing not to use alcohol or drugs because I knew, I already knew on some level that if you start to use it as a coping mechanism, 
that's it. You, you go down this rabbit hole that you can't get out of. So I did very consciously not do that. I always relied on myself, my friends, people I could talk to, uh, basically just like friend talk therapy was my main source of coping. But I don't know what the situation was. It might have been like boy drama, friend drama, school drama. I don't know. But I said to myself, hmm, I wonder what it's like to use this as a coping mechanism. And so I did it. And yeah, that brings us to now. Probably 10 years later. On the nose. Wild. Uh, So yeah, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back to square one, where we get to build up from the ground, get to build our foundation and just learn what works for us. And what works for you is not necessarily what's going to work for me. Uh, Some things that really do work for me are uh, baths, doing soothing activities like that. Um, In the beginning, specifically, you're going to crave sugar a lot. And honestly, I was just really gentle with myself with that and let myself eat the sugar. And yeah, I know perhaps it's not the best or whatever, but let's be real. Breaking the cycle of addiction with alcohol is enough. You're doing enough. This is going to happen a lot, actually, in the beginning. You're going to be inspired to start making more changes. And while that's great and awesome, and I know that you have this vision of uh, healthy living for yourself, be careful. Do it slowly. I know a lot of people, when I was in the first few months of recovery, they started to work out all the time and... I don't know, it started to nag at me a little bit. It started to be like, oh, Denise, why aren't you working out? Look at you in your new sober life. Are you doing enough? Are you really being healthy? Oh, this little voice started to talk to me like that. And that's not cool. If that voice is talking to you, give it a job doing something else because that's too much. Everything, if you start to do too much, it's going to become like a house of cards and eventually it's going to come crashing down. And that might threaten your sobriety, which is actually the only thing that matters at this point. Perhaps it's the only thing that matters for the rest of your life. But you got to be very honest with yourself with that. Do not take on too much. Uh, yeah, exercise can be a beautiful coping mechanism. Absolutely. Um, but I know in myself, I've never been a very active person. So I, if I was going to layer that on, I, I knew for myself it was going to be too much. I was going to put too much pressure on myself that I wasn't, you know, meeting my gym quota for the week. And uh, it would just spiral for me. So whatever it is for you that you think that you should be doing, evaluate it. Be very honest with yourself. And my advice is to just do gentle things that really calm the nervous system, chill you out, make you feel loved, and um, talk that way to yourself. Self-positive talk is a coping mechanism in my books. Once you start layering that on, even if you don't believe it in the beginning, there's a lot of self-hatred and self-loathing that comes around Uh addiction, right? You start to really 
hate on yourself. Like, fuck, why can't I just quit it? Why can't I stop? I want to stop. Everybody else wants me to stop, but I just can't fucking do it. Having that mindset over and over and over again, this failure mindset that you, no matter how hard you try, you're a failure, that is going to affect you on a very deep level. And it's going to instill that thought pattern with you when you fail at other things. So implementing the positive self-talk, really important. Um, If you don't love your body, look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you love you. I love you, body. And mean it even if you don't mean it, you know? And once you say that enough, you will start to believe it. That's just how the mind works. We can program our brains to believe anything. It's the same way. Like if that's how, if you tell yourself you're a failure over and over, you believe it, right? Perhaps in the beginning you didn't believe that, but eventually you do. You hear something enough, you start to believe it. So why not choose amazing, awesome things that are going to empower you and build you up and make you feel awesome? And you feeling awesome and owning your awesomeness is not elitism. It is not being better than other people. It is empowering and it makes you shine bright. And when you do that, everybody else around you feels empowered as well and they want to follow in your footsteps. And if we're all just doing that and we're all upholding each other and lifting each other up like that, what a beautiful world. Amazing. So we are consumerists, aren't we? We love to consume and be it drugs, alcohol, food, sex, social media, just anything to do with your cell phone, attention, love, admiration, likes anything we just like we just want something that's outside of ourselves to fill us up and for me it was alcohol of course I started to reach outside of myself whenever I felt any sort of friction any sort of anxiety the first thought you know even in the beginning just the gentle first thought or just a little one like oh I've had kind of a shitty day at work. I'm going to have a beer to unwind. You hear that all the time. Unwind with a beer. You know, like just this trope that is perpetuated in our society that when you have a a tough day, you drink an alcoholic drink and that seems normal. But when you implement that behavior, it creates a pattern and your body starts to recognize that as the loop. It's the reward pattern that is is being launched in your brain. And I'm sorry if you can hear my stomach growling. <laughs> That's weird. Well, hopefully you can't hear that, but you know, perhaps you can. So you have a bad day. You get rewarded with a chemical that tricks your brain into simulated happiness. And that simulated happiness is what is opposite of stress. So you get de-stressed instantly. And why would you ever, why would your brain ever want anything else than something that works better than anything else? But it's fake happiness, right? It's not real happiness. It's this um, elevated dopamine spike that we talked about earlier. 
that's going to completely fuck with your brain and your hedonic set point, which is that point where happiness uh, needs to reach. It's the bar, the threshold that uh, things need to reach in order to give you happiness. So when you are doing things that are going to synthetically make you happy, it's going to push that bar higher and higher, and it's going to make it an impossible event to try to make yourself happy with other things. So you're going to have to throw everything at this. You're going to have to do so many things to make yourself soothed. You're going to have to do anything that works for you, be that meditation, breath work, having baths, reading, um, enjoying company with friends, back to that friend talk therapy. You know, that is so elevating. And uh, spending time with loved ones, spending time with puppies <laughs> or kitties, whatever you want, um, going out to your favorite restaurants, enjoying events, uh, just, you know, going traveling, doing things that stimulate you and make you happy, that used to make you happy, but perhaps they fell into that void that we had created in addiction. We have such a tendency to turn to our phones for comfort. It took a while for me to realize how much I was doing it. Like, any semblance of awkwardness, lull in the conversation, uh any level of anxiety, even just like the little tiniest little bit, you reach for your phone. You're in a lineup, you're bored, you pull out your phone and you look at it, you scroll at it. And suddenly it's just creating this tunnel vision uh, scenario for you. You are staring at your phone, you're not aware of your surroundings, and you're in your own little world that way. And it becomes escapism very quickly. And we condition ourselves that that is a way to cope. Uh, I went to a retreat, a She Recovers retreat over the summer. It was on Salt Spring Island. And if you haven't heard of She Recovers, I highly recommend that you check them out. They support everyone in any sort of um, facet of recovery uh, who uh, is a woman or identifies as, as female. And... Yeah, they're cool. They do a lot of retreats that are for recovery. And um, more on that to come for sure. I've got some poems that came out of that. But when I was there, it was four days. And I decided for the length of those four days that I would turn my cell phone off. And that would have been hard normally. Just four days in your home city, your hometown, going about your business that would be hard for me now. But this was like an intense emotional journey at this retreat. I uncovered things that had previously been deeply buried and I kind of felt like I was shattering into a million pieces um, in the best way possible. But the pull to look at my phone was insane. I wanted so badly to just turn inward and look at this screen and not have to look at people or talk to people or face what I was feeling. The best true coping mechanism is to just feel. 
what you were going through. Just your experiences, just that dirt on your shoes, walking through it, that's the best. Knowing that you can survive this is the coping mechanism. Knowing that your blood will still pump through your veins and your legs will keep walking forward no matter what. That shit is hard. It really is. And it feels impossible a lot of the time. But it's not. The more you go through it, the more you stay and you let that emotion wash through you and you let it in and you touch it and you instead of shoving away shoving it away in this little box it's going to move through you instead of into you right that's why when you experience something uh you do like trauma therapy perhaps and things are coming up and you're feeling raw or you finally kind of had a breakthrough while talking to a friend or you were journaling and you're, you came to this realization about your own behavior that you didn't realize before. And it can be very uh, difficult to face that. You thought you were one way, but really you were acting another way and, and it could be difficult to, to face that. But the, but it's really important to not reach for something that makes that go inside of you instead of through you. You have to integrate it in a way that isn't going to traumatize you and hide it within you. You have to integrate it in a way that is acceptance and love and forgiveness. One great thing is sleep. My God, you, in the beginning, will be so tired. Your body is exhausted from this transition that you're making. Um, Your cells are regenerating. Your chemicals are rebalancing. It's this whole full system recalibration, and it's exhausting. So sleep. Sleep. You'll feel guilty about it. I know I did, but don't because you need this, and it will be the foundation which you walk forward from this. Rest. Know how important rest is. It's like in yoga, if you are at all (laughs) into yoga, but it's corpse pose, savasana, happening midway or at the end or both, what have you. It's taking everything that you did throughout the practice and integrating it on a cellular level in this moment of rest. And that's what sleep does. It does that too. It's a very important part of our uh, journey as humans. So highly recommend that. I recently just went through some crazy emotional stuff, and instead of uh, acting on it or being reactive about it, I slept, and I woke up, and I felt great. And then I addressed more of it, and then I had a nap, and then I felt great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You can do this. It's also very important, like, when 
something happens to you, not to immediately shut it in, right? To not shut it out. Uh, sometimes, you know, we have unconscious mechanisms, walls that just go boom and block things out. I know that I have those. Uh, and that means perhaps that we're just not ready to deal with that specific thing yet. But when you have something else, something new perhaps, that comes at you, to shut it down immediately, to to uh, put it in its little box by means of drugs or alcohol or texting, uh, scrolling through Facebook, um, eating, uh, that's, you know, pick your poison, right? That's uh, why the book is called Pick Your Poison is because alcohol was mine. But there are any number of things that we use as uh, a negative means to kind of shut down what we're experiencing. And that means we only have to, we have to deal with it later. You know, it doesn't erase it. It doesn't delete it. It comes back up and we have to deal with it. So in order to do that, be honest, the more you get into sobriety, I, I truly believe the easier you become in tune with your body and you can recognize cues and, uh, and feelings and thought patterns. And you'll begin to recognize when things are happening to you that you can then uh, decide how to navigate it. It won't become this, it won't stay, I mean, as this knee-jerk reaction that you just slam the door in its face and you bar yourself in your bedroom. It's it's a decision. It becomes a true decision. You become more in control. And, yeah, so... Keep choosing the next right decision. Choose the next right thing that brings you closer to uh, clarity, to control, and within that also release. Elementary. Trying to teach myself that the blood in my veins and the dirt on my shoes are the only coping mechanisms I need. Thanks for listening. I hope you folks have a beautiful week and see you next time.